Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I smoked at that time. During the meal, I just tried to pick my cigarettes up and I dropped them. Didn't think anything of it. And I didn't feel too grand, and I was saying to Leslie, oh, we better go back to the apartment, I'm feeling a bit off. On the way back, I was stumbling a little bit. Deep down, I think I knew what was happening. But I was in denial. I didn't want it to be. He phoned for the doctor, and there was a lady doctor. This was about, I would say, five, six o'clock in the morning. And she came, examined us, and she knew what it was. And she got us down to the surgery phoned for an ambulance and took me to the uh, private hospital. I was there for almost three weeks. The flew us back to Birmingham. It was, was in a Lear jet. There was uh, three other people. There was one with a broken leg, a very bad broken leg. One had had a heart attack. And with we being all over the country, they thought that the best way to do it would be to fly somewhere that suited all of us. And it was happened to be Birmingham. They got a private ambulance up from Birmingham to the RVI in Newcastle. That journey was horrendous, that. For the strokes of I, I would just say, never give up. Well, when we talk to each other, and especially when the new guy comes to the group or something like that, don't give up, keep on trying. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. There are a number of lifestyle-related factors which can lead to someone having a stroke. One is smoking, which causes the blood to thicken and narrows your arteries. A smoker who suffers a stroke is twice as likely to die from it than a non-smoker. In this episode, you'll hear from Robert Elliott from Newcastle, who suffered a stroke at the age of 60. My work was good. I enjoyed my work. I worked at a chemical plant in Dudley. No two days were the same. I worked shifts. I worked uh, 12 hour shifts. Four days on, three days off, three days on, four days off, you know, that sort of thing. August the 20th, 2007. We're in Corfu actually. We'd been out on a day around Corfu, enjoying it. I had the grandson with us. There was the three of us. We'd been climbing mountains, really, to be quite honest. Came back that day, about showered, changed, went out for the evening meal, and I smoked at the time. During the meal, I just tried to pick my cigarettes up, and I dropped them, didn't think anything of it. And I didn't feel too grand, and I was saying to Leslie, I think we'll better go back to the apartment, I'm feeling a bit off. On the way back, I was stumbling a little bit. Deep down, I think I knew what was happening. I was in denial. I didn't want it to be. Leslie was saying, you know, we'll get the doctor, get the nurse. No, I'll be all right after a good night's sleep. We got back to the apartment. Through the night, I tried to get up and just went on the floor. 
my right hand side just wasn't there, couldn't feel anything. I was, the speech was okay actually. I knew what was happening. Leslie got a hotel manager sort of thing and he phoned for a doctor. And there was a lady doctor. This was about, I would say, five, six o'clock in the morning. And she came, examined us, and she knew what it was. And she got us down to the surgery, phoned for an ambulance, and took me to the uh, Plaval Hospital. I was there for almost three weeks in this hospital. And then the flew us back to Birmingham. It was in a Lear jet. There was uh, three other people. There was one with a broken leg, a very bad broken leg. One had had a heart attack. And with we being all over the country, they thought that the best way to do it would be to fly somewhere that suited all of us. And it was happened to be Birmingham. They got a private ambulance up from Birmingham to the RVI Newcastle. That journey was horrendous, that. Oh, we got stuck in traffic jams. There was a crash on the motorway. And we landed from Corfu to Birmingham. It must have been about, what, one, two o'clock? It was near 11 o'clock before we got to Newcastle. Robert's flight home to the UK was less than comfortable. I was on a stretcher with the sensors on you, checking your heart and everything else. And on the flight, they're not like the commercial planes, which are bad enough, you know. But a jet, if you hit a pocket, you're up and down sort of thing. You, you more or less felt the turbulence. Uh, and I was sliding up and down in this stretcher. I did say that. It didn't affect my speech. I was talking OK, I thought I was. But the pilot was German, and he thought I was German the way I was talking. German pilot, he's called pilot. There was a doctor and two orderlies. We were serving food and drinks and everything, but I couldn't eat anything. I was in the RVI for an assessment that night. They assessed me, then they put me in a ward, and I spent the night there, and then the next morning, they transferred me to the Freeman, and then I was in the Freeman for about three weeks. I must say, man, when I was in Corfu, they were very good in the hospital. There was a doctor there, got a physio straight away, more or less. Not that I could move, but they were very good that way. And there was the same in the Freeman. I got two or three sessions of physio there. In Corfu, the doctor would say, oh, we'll get you walking again, that sort of thing. When I got over here, they were saying, oh, you're not, you're not walking again. You know, that sort of thing. Oh, they didn't they really put us down, are they? I was determined to get back on my feet. Fortunately, I did, because not everybody does. That's the thing. It affects people in different ways. After a stay in hospital, Robert was able to access a specialist rehab unit. I was in the Freeman for about three weeks, and they moved us from high dependency ward to something a bit easier. There was this chap next door who was going to be transferred to the Cherry Burnet, the general, but he became ill. He's the fever and that sort of thing, so he couldn't go. So I was offered a chance to go to Cherryburn. So I was transferred to there after about three weeks. And I was in the Cherryburn about four weeks, five weeks, where I was getting physio. They were very good there, but I couldn't walk very well. Couldn't use my hand, anything. Being dependent on everyone, didn't really want to put Leslie through it. But I was glad to get to him. In the Cherryburn, like I say, they give you a physio. And they checked to make sure you could get up the stairs and manage stairs and things like that. At the beginning, you're always doing things wrong. You're trying to do things. You're lifting your arm and your legs dragging and using a stick. Everything was a change. We bought a TENS machine. It's a stimulant. 
got two pads on, I used to put one on my hand and used to press this button and used to flick your hand up. I used to do that regularly. Robert's employer supported him while he was off sick, but he wasn't able to return to work. They paid me, but then there was an insurance thing which paid me half my wage till I was 65. So I, could, I couldn't go back. They did, they did offer me a position in the office and things like that, and I said, no, I, I just couldn't do that, you know, sit around all day, that sort of thing. Plus the fact I hadn't any transport anyway. Took me over a year to more or less get back on my feet, back driving now, but I can only drive an automatic. I've got a few controls I've got to use. He's also been supported by his family. Not only doing things for me, but encouraging us to do other things. I used to be an avid reader, but I can't seem to get into a book now. I can't read much, can't concentrate for really long periods, you know. So the bought is a Kindle, see if it would help. No, I couldn't get into it. The laptops, I've got an Apple Mac Pro there, and I I enjoy that, go through that surfing, looking for different things. I'm still trying to do DIY. I used to be pretty good at that, and they encourage us in that way. Newcastle Support Group, the NHS, introduced me to this group. They'd done a lot when I first came out. Physio for three, four months, every couple of days sort of thing. I came up to this group. My daughter brought me up. I wouldn't come back anymore because that meant depending on people to bring us that sort of thing. But when I got the car, I'd give it a try. But it was over two years before I got back to it. It gave us new friends. We have talks and it's introduced to different people, different circumstances. We talk amongst each other about different experiences. They helped a lot and I'm still involved with that. Stroke Support Group Newcastle, which will meet every second Wednesday of the month and it's in various places. We started off at Gosforth Library and now we are up at Tesco Kingston Park. We have speakers and they have like sports people come and they are disabled as well, some of them, you know, in wheelchairs. It's like I say, it's just once a month but it's something to look forward to. Robert's stroke has completely changed his life. He couldn't return to work and he's had to adjust to having less mobility. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Robert talking about the support of his friends. A lot of my friends haven't given up on us. My real friends haven't divorced us. In fact, last night, well, it was 10 well for a meal last night again. Just up the road, it's eating there, which we do that every month. Maintain the social life uh, here and on finding an answer for his stroke. It was an ischemic stroke, and the cause, Leslie asked, and I didn't actually. They said it could have been the flight, the clock could have been formed on the plane, that sort of thing, you know. Could have been my lifestyle. I smoked quite a lot, heavy smoker. Drink, I used to drink a fair bit, not excessive. Was I would call a binge drinker now, I suppose. Let's hear how Robert's stroke continues to affect him physically. It's got to be my age, as well as the stroke. Because I was quite active before the stroke, and I've slowed right down, 25% of where I used to be. So in, in that sense, it's changed a lot. The way, way I do things is, it's all left-handed now. I can write now with my right hand, but not very well. I can write a couple of words. It must be the stroke as well, because I'm very emotional now. 
Uh, sometimes I just, the tears just come for nothing, no reason at all, you know. Not that I'm feeling sorry for myself. Mind you, at the beginning, it was why me, you know, that sort of thing. Every, everybody must go through it. It's just a terrible thing to go through. Mind you, I never give it much thought before the stroke. You know, you saw people in my situation, oh, they've, they've had a stroke, that sort of thing, you know. Whereas before, I just didn't give it a second thought. You know, I, I didn't think of it. someone walking along the street with their hand in the coat, resting there, and limping or dragging their foot. Didn't give it a second thought. Now, it hits you. A lot of my friends, they haven't given up on us. My real friends haven't divorced us. In fact, last night, well, it was 10 well for a meal last night again. Just up the road, it's eating there, which we do with that every month. Maintain the social life uh, here. Robert was also able to find out some of the causes of his stroke. It was an ischemic stroke, and the cause, Leslie asked, and I didn't actually. They said it could have been the flight, the clock could have been formed on the plane, that sort of thing, you know. It could have been my lifestyle. I smoked quite a lot, heavy smoker. Drink, I used to drink a fair bit, not excessive. Was I would call a binge drinker now, I suppose. Actually, before I went on holiday, I had a bad back. Went to doctors and he just fobbed me off with painkillers, that sort of thing. I think it should have given us a good medical. Before the stroke, I didn't think anything. I never went to doctors. Didn't need the doctor. Mm. Likes of cholesterol, blood pressure, things like that. Never give it a second thought. Perhaps I've had, had a, a good medical and they found out my cholesterol was a bit higher, something like that, yes. Well, the blood pressure wasn't bad, but uh, they give, I'm on tablets to bring it down. It's also left a lasting impact on him emotionally. I'm a little bit more aggressive. It's affected us that way. Leslie says, I talk louder. But I don't think I do. I think I'm talking at the same level sort of thing. But she says, you, you do snap a bit, which I didn't think I did. But apparently I do. I concern myself to be the same. Just a little bit disabled, that's all. Robert thinks there's one rule that all stroke survivors should follow. For a stroke survivor, I would just say, never give up. Well, when we talk to each other, and especially when the new guy comes to the group or something like that, and they've only had it two, three months ago, they had a stroke, say, well, look, it's nearly 13 years for me, and I was, I was worse off than you were, because it took me over a year to get back on my feet. And you're walking, so don't give up. Keep on trying. It affects... People in different ways. There's that many parts of the brain that it affects. Patients, yes, but not to treat them any different. Help them by all means, but don't try to rush in to say, oh, I'll get that for you, that sort of thing. If they need help, they'll ask. That's one of the things you need to do to be independent, not dependent. Robert Stroke turned his life completely upside down, but he's had constant support from family and friends, and he's back on his feet, able to drive, and spend time with the people he loves. Next time on Stroke Stories. And then all of a sudden, I have a massive headache while I was driving. I tried to drink some water and didn't alleviate the problem. My mom told me to pull over and call 911. When I called 911, they told me that I was at the end of the county so it took about 20 minutes for the ambulance to get there everything just changed for me the way the outside world looked 
was completely different. I don't know if I was hallucinating or if it was feeling enough about to be at death's door. Please don't forget to subscribe to Stroke Stories on your preferred provider and rate and comment on the episodes to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and you'd like to share a story, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,